Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs, located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20 by 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling themed. All sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laughing, yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast, the podcast about music, pro wrestling, and MMA. I am your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And like always, we have a great show coming up for you today. Uh, this week's guest is Demi, uh, one of the members of the Queens, New York-based alternative hip-hop band, the Oxymorons. Uh, he's, uh, you know, we talked about the band, their new single called What's My Name, but also uh, Demi has uh, long been a uh, practice in various skills in the martial arts. So we talked about that, along with uh, pro wrestling in the UFC, all that sorts of jazz. But before we get to uh, the interview with Demi, uh, just to remind you a few ways you can support the podcast. Um, you can go to freshesthepodcast.com and uh, just share any links that are on uh, that website to uh, on any of your social media. Um, if you click on the link at the top of the page that says support the podcast, there's a PayPal link you can donate to. Then there's also a Amazon link that you can use. If you ever make any purchases on Amazon, use that link and it'll give me a few pennies back on your purchase. doesn't change anything on your end, but just helps out the show a little bit. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fresh is the Word One. That's Fresh is the Word Number One. And then on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast and give it a like ski, okay? And you can also uh, subscribe to Fresh is the Word at Stitcher and on iTunes. Uh, just search Fresh is the Word and the podcast come up. And if you'd like it, please give us a, a five-star rating and a great comment. If I see any comments on there, I'll definitely read it on the show. It'll definitely help out with the podcast also with our placement and everything. So please, please, please 
do me a favor and share the uh, podcast. We have a lot of great shows coming up, a lot of great guests. Have a lot of great uh, guests in the canon already. So uh, definitely, you know, appreciate anyone that's listening to the podcast thus far. So let's get to the interview with Demi from Oxymorons. Uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time out to do this interview with me. Uh, nah, no problem, man, dude. Uh, all that stuff when she, when Chrissy mentioned it to me, I was like, how's yeah, let's do this. Leading <laughs> <laughs> yeah. into that kind of shit, so I'm like, what the hell's yeah, this beats any other interview I'd probably end up getting anyway, either way. <laughs> right. Like right. Yeah, um, yeah, she said that you're uh, heavily into mixed martial arts and, uh, like, uh, yeah. you know, watching uh, MMA and also pro wrestling. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been uh, kind of perusing the your uh, the band's uh, Facebook page, and uh, before we get into any of that, what I want to you know talk about is like you you guys post a lot of things hashtag Geek Life. You know what what is Geek Life yeah. for you guys? Uh, geek Life for us is it's it's more of like a state of mind. Um, with us, it's not just geek or dweeb. You know the 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 normal context for us. It's pretty much anyone who's extremely over the top passionate in what you do. Whether it is whether you're sweeping a floor or selling peanuts in Manhattan, it doesn't have to be anything luxurious. But if you're geeked out about it, you're excited, you're happy, you love it, and you push for it all the time, you're kind of geeked out, and that's that's where geek life comes from. Great, yeah. And when you said just over the top and passionate, that's what I, it kind of fits into, like the sound of the band. Uh, it kind of goes a lot yep. of different ways. You know, how did you guys come about? You know, developing that sound. It was, it just kind of happened. Um, it wasn't more of a, we grew up listening to a lot of different genres and playing a lot of different music and being inspired by a lot of different things. And we never wanted to put ourselves in a box. So we just simply went and went for it and was like, hey, let's, let's mix everything that we know about music and everything we love about music into one. And the only criteria is if, if it sounds good, it feels good, then it's good. Who are some of the artists that you grew up listening to? Uh, wow. From anywhere from my dad, like introducing me to like Billy Joe, Queen. Queen is my favorite band of all time. I love Freddie Mercury. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Lionel Richie, that kind of stuff. And then, and then like NERD, uh, Blink-182, all that stuff. Then, then, then from your hip hop understands like Method Man, uh, obviously like your Kanye's, your Across the board, it's, it's pretty much all over the place where we grew up listening to pretty much. That's why the music kind of sounds like that. <laughs> Great. Yeah, last week you guys uh, dropped a new single uh, called uh, What's My Name, you know. Uh, what's, 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 what's behind this song? Um, what's My Name is cool. It's, it's behind. Um, the thing with What's My Name is kind of us unapologetically just boasting who we are and what we do. Um, it, uh, they're, they're, they, there's hurdles and struggles being genreless in an industry that makes that needs to put you in a box right um and with this new project that we're going to be releasing um we want to make the bold statement that hey the yeah, these black kids rock and we're here to stay and we're not going anywhere and regardless of what kind of box you want to put us in you're always going to remember our name because we're going to do things our way and it's going to be exciting it's going to be big and you're going to love it do you think there is a do you think there is anybody out there? Is do you think there is, you know, seeds being planted where, sort of a band oriented, a rock oriented, you know, artist can touch the you know more of the black community? 
Um, yeah, there's definitely room for it. Um, there's, there's, I think the industry in itself, uh, and, and, and rock music in itself was whitewashed a little bit. Oh, definitely. um, and I just, I just believe that the genre in itself should be a little bit more diverse. Um, but I, I definitely do think there is a surge in it being, in it changing. Um, we're catalysting that a little bit of that surge. And I think it's, it's going to come through people understanding that, uh, urban music or, Black music isn't just hip hop. Do you think? Uh, do you think people from the black community f- feel that rock music is a white music? Yeah, we get that all the time. <laughs> we <laughs> we hear that all like we hear that all the time. We and the thing even with the like like let's say the album the album the name of the album is going to be Gateway Drug that we're going to be releasing and right. we call it Gateway Drug because throughout touring last year, uh, the, almost the entire year last year and already starting to tour this year. What we're hearing when we go into markets and being exposed to people who haven't seen us before is like, holy shit, um, I don't like hip-hop, but I love you guys. Or like, I don't, so I'll give hip-hop a chance now. Or I don't like rock music, so, but I really, really love you guys. Um, so I'll give rock a chance now a lot from urban kids. And it's, for them, it's more so what they've been exposed to. A lot of the uh, younger generation weren't exposed to, the, to, to multi-genres. A lot of time, when you think about it, majority of the music that you're hearing from anything urban is trap music now. Not to knock on trap. I love trap music. Right. <laughs> I have fun. I enjoy that shit. Like I, I don't knock it, but to but to but to have an industry that's pointing the gun or the media and saying, "Hey, this is this is the entire representation of an entire race or an entire uh, ethnicity." It's crazy. Oh, like that, that that doesn't make any sense. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, how long how long have you guys been a band? Uh, I would say this collected maybe two and a half years. Okay. All right. All right. Why did it, why did it come about? You know, what was the first inkling, the first idea that happened to be like, Hey, let's start this band. Um, we just, uh, me and my brother, I was, I was, this whole thing kind of started. I was in another band. I was in another group and that fell through. Things went really well. And then it went really sour and I was not going to do music anymore. I was kind of over it. I was going to do a bunch of other stuff. (laughs) And my brother, was not going to let me quit. He was just like, you're too good at this. Let's just do it together. And then it just kind of like, and then out of nowhere, it just kind of snowballed into what's going on now with the Oxys. It wasn't like, it wasn't anything really, really premeditated. We we just kind of like built it. And then when it first started, it was just us and a couple friends and it wasn't full band. We did that for a little while. And then we always wanted the sound to translate and be a full band because of the type of music we were making. You couldn't uh, get the point across with a DJ spinning guitars. You need that live. You know, you need that feeling. So right. we rounded up the troops and, and got together and made, made a couple adjustments. Some pieces stayed, some pieces fell off. But this collective here is where we wanted to be in, and it's great. How, how long did it take to, to sort of flush out how you guys wanted to sound live when you're doing shows? Um years man <laughs> it took years a lot like a lot of trial and error we played a lot of shows uh always putting on a good show has always been our thing but just like trying to figure out sonically how to blend all of these things and make them make sense it's taken years to get to this point uh because at one point it was heavily hip-hop and not enough rock and at one point it was too much rock and then at one point it was too all over the place so it was just kind of like yo Wow, like even our last EP complex, the basic that's is the point of that. Like like we we're taking really, really basic concepts 
and executing them in a very complex way. So in that sense, we were just kind of like, uh, if you're not indulging in music as far as like loving every aspect of certain things, um, you're not going to get it. Uh, with, with, with our music, it's kind of like we figured out that, hey, most of the world listens to music in a, in a very entertainment, entertainment kind of a way if you're trying to break ground into the stratosphere. Yeah. And uh, having sounds that are all over the place kind of confuse people sometimes, you know? People use music for relaxation, so a lot of the times they don't want to think within that process too, too much. <laughs> right. I hate the general. I never like to generalize because we do have tons of fans who love the fact that we bounce in and out of genres and things like that. But figuring out figuring out how we wanted to carve this sound and getting here, it took us years, but we're very, very happy and excited. And, and it wasn't easy. Um, it, we had a lot of hardships, but we're glad that we pushed through it and got through it because now we're being way – it's way more acceptable now to bend genres than it was when we were actually doing it, when we started doing this. Right, that's kind of it's kind of weird where, um, like, sort of like how those waves go, where you can it's accept acceptable to be kind of weird, and then it's not acceptable to be weird. You know, it's like I remember this. This is one that always sticks in my head, sticks out in my head when I um think about albums that just came at the wrong time. Commons Electric Circus. When that was too, was too, it was too ahead of its time. It was too ahead of its time. It was too weird, and nobody liked it. And I'm like, dude, this is an awesome album. You guys do not understand. This is like very good and very awesome in so many ways, man. And nobody got it, man. I was, I was so heartbroken at that time. Yeah, Common's one of my favorite artists. What's funny about uh, Chicago in general, like when you think about, like, a lot of my, I've noticed that a lot of my favorite artists come from Chicago. Like, I'm a huge Lupe fan, right. huge Common fan, huge Chance fan, huge, like, Saba. Huge, like, I, you know, I, and I was like, one day I just got it, I'm like, yo, every fucking majority of rappers I really like are from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> like, I must have a thing with Chicago music, but I was like, damn. I think Chicago, somehow, their artists seem to never let the soul of their music die. Right. And that always grabs me. I'm, I'm always gravitated to it. Right. I was I was just in Chicago, uh, it's funny, I was just in Chicago for uh for Bellator. And uh oh, that? yeah, it was for the King for the King Mo uh, rampage fight. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And uh the, the one thing and the funny thing is that I saw an article about this at the same time because I'm here from Detroit going there. And and there was this article was talking about how how really segregated Chicago is. And oh my God, it's been segregated. Like Chicago's like a time warp. Oh my, it is. It's weird, it's weird because weird. Yeah. of how far east it is. Like I wouldn't expect Chicago to be that segregated the way it is. And it is. It's funny because the places that I went, because I went to all the record stores and everything, and I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, like, there's a lot of white people everywhere I'm going. But yeah, every time I hear about Chicago, I always hear about the what's going on with the shootings in the black community and anything. And I'm like, yeah. I'm, literally, all I'm seeing is like white people everywhere I go. And I'm like, this you is weren't on the south side. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't. I was on the south side. I'm like, this is so because here in Detroit, we're to a certain extent segregated also, but we still intermingle with people. It's just at the end of the day, we go back to our little corners. But mm. 
in Chicago, I'm just sitting there like, whoa, dude, it's like, this is this is kind of crazy, man, how segregated this place really is, man. Really, really segregated. And that, those are the things that people are kind of complaining about with Chicago. It's like a lot of the resources and a lot of the things that keeps the city thriving only goes to one side of the city. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's the, that's the thing that we're kind of worried about here in Detroit is that they're, like, revitalizing the downtown area. We're getting a new stadium for the hockey and basketball teams, and they're doing all this stuff. But we don't know if the resources will ever get around to the rest of the city, you know, and it's it's really – Yeah, because some things I've heard about Detroit, and even when, like, when we went down there when we were touring, I was just like, holy crap, like, Detroit is, like – people don't really realize, like, how much, like, the financial crisis helped – I mean, uh, damaged Detroit. Oh. Like, people really – yeah, people, I don't think, I don't think if you haven't gone to Detroit, I really don't think you understand the magnitude of it, because I know I didn't. We pulled into Detroit, and I was like, wow, we were just, we we, we was like, wow, this is crazy. And then we were in Pontiac, Michigan, and I was like, yo. <laughs> 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 you know, the no one was around. Oh, yeah. Like, Holy shit. <laughs> Pontiac. Holy shit. Pontiac is is crazy. Like it, that, that's another. Yeah, it's one of those other cities that are just out there. That um, this is the one thing about the, the like the Detroit area, and it's really weird. You can go from a bad neighborhood to a good neighborhood like in the blink of an eye, and you don't even realize it. It's it's, it's really crazy, and you, you will realize you're like I was just in a bad neighborhood. Now I see mansions, you know, and like. It's really, it's that's really not, weird. Like that's, that's nuts. I think that's crazy that you can go in, in within the same city within a few blocks of each other, our mansions, and then terrible neighborhoods. Like, huh? How is that? How, how is that possible? There has to be. That has to be intentional on some level. Oh, it's it's crazy. It's crazy, and it's, and it's but it's something that we've just like grown to just accept. It just it's just there, you know. Like most most things in Detroit, we just have like lost the sensitive like sensitivity to man. It's just there, you know. It's always been like that for for our lifetimes at least. So it's kind of like what it is now at this point. Like yeah, you know, you just kind of like just deal with it. It's so crazy, right. dude. Right. But um, you're from uh, you're from Queens, New York, correct? Yes, yes, sir. Okay, so you're born and raised there. Pretty much. Okay. How is it? How is it like growing up in Queens? Um, it was kind of weird because growing up in Queens, we kind of like, I grew up in a house and all this other culture, but I grew up in a really bad neighborhood. Um, my neighborhood, uh, um, you wouldn't think it's as bad in the daytime. Like just like going through it, like, oh, this is cool. This is, this house is, it's really fun. And it was like, holy shit. It's a pretty bad area. Um, but it was cool, man. I can't, I don't denounce growing up in Jamaica, Queens because it made me who I am. Uh, we, I got a vast understanding of what things are on all kind of levels. Um, and I got to be around in the, in the midst of a lot of like musical shit. So like seeing things, um, seeing guys from like, knowing guys from like Lost Boys or like Onyx and all these other bands, like all these other groups that really made it big okay. from my area, 50 Cent, that's the obvious. And Nikki who started dating, even Waga Flocka who, who lived on the North side for a little while, um, who grew up in the North side and then moved to the South. Uh, he's from our he's from our area, and just it it it, it makes you 
understand that and believe that, hey, you can actually make it in the music business because you're watching people from the same area you're from do it. So that that was a unique part of growing up in Cleveland, specifically my neighborhood, um, and understanding that. But it was it was really it was cool, strange. Like I went to private school, then public school, then private school, then public school. So it was, it was I got a lot of like different viewpoints of what Queens has to offer. And not to mention it's the most diverse borough. Yeah. So you get to mix mix and mingle with a lot of different cultures. What are some what are some of the things that you did as a kid, you know, for fun or whatnot? Shit, uh damn, from playing ball to uh mad different forms of martial arts to getting into stupid shit like we used to do this thing we called missions where we would go to backyards and fucking hop from garage to garage to garage to garage and try to do that for blocks. <laughs> <laughs> and all the homeowners would chase us away, call the cops on us. It was fucking wild, dude. And then, realistically, it's funny when you think about it now, because what the hell did we get out of that? It was literally an adrenaline rush. <laughs> we, we got absolutely nothing from that <laughs> at all other than the adrenaline rush. That is it. Like, oh, shit, we got away with it. Oh, fuck, we got caught. <laughs> right. When did you, uh, when did you first start, start studying martial arts? Probably when I was like, I would say my uncle got me involved. I would say I was probably like 10 or 11. And it was, it was first my uncle introduced me in, into everything through Taekwondo, okay. which I like Taekwondo, but it, was, it wasn't. Um, my uncle always wanted to put me into different things so real-life scenarios and real-life applications could happen because a lot of the things in Taekwondo are formatted for uh, sporting event situations, whereas a lot of the times when you're using your martial arts, you're not at a sporting event. Right. <laughs> you're not in competition. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, so and my uncle was, like, huge. Like, he's, he's, he's like, a, uh, I think he's, at this point, I think, like, almost a nine or 10 degree black belt in multiple forms of martial arts. So that's, he's the one who kind of like exposed us into that. And my dad knows a few, a few different styles. And we just kind of grew up in a household of like knowing to defend yourself because we all live in really bad areas. That, that kind of like translated really quickly. Like, yeah, you got to know how to defend yourself. And also it taught us discipline too. One of the biggest things was more um, not being an aggressor in any situation because of what you know, but more so containing situations and avoiding them at all costs. I, I, that's one of the things I tell everybody the majority of the time when they find out, oh, shit, you do mixed martial arts. I'm like, yeah, but it's not so I can run around and beat people up. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's not what it's for. I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I actually avoid fights as much as possible, more than ever. Like I tell people that all the time. The more I got into it and the more I learned, the less I actually fought. Right. Yeah. I was, there's a, I think it was like a Bruce Lee quote or some, it was somebody, a quote where it said the best, the best thing about learning martial arts is never having to use it. Yeah. You know, it's the, and it's the truth. It's the truth. You really like, you try not to use it. I, I put myself in positions all the time and it's because it makes you so much aware of yourself and your surroundings that you can avoid something before it even turns into anything you can literally be like oh okay i see where this is going to go i'm not going to go this way or you no longer feel threatened a lot of times fights happen fights aren't happening but majority of the time because of disagreements fights happen because of fear fear and misunderstanding yeah so once someone has a misunderstanding they're scared and once you once fear kicks in there's two things you do it's either flight or fight and if there's enough testosterone flowing around that's going to make you fight and 
And if you, if you no longer fear what someone can do to you or fear in a situation, you handle the situation a lot better. It's the same kind of thing that's going on with, like, cops shooting unarmed people. It's like they're not – I don't believe a lot of them are tyrants and bad dudes. I believe that fear kicks in, and they're in a position where their weapon is drawn way too quickly. And, and that puts you in a position to do something you wouldn't normally do. So it's like with that, it's like, and, and I know a lot of them are trained and a lot, but a lot, I think the training is really minuscule. It's not that big of the training, that what they're doing, because if you put someone in a situation where they're really, really, really afraid, but they know how to handle themselves, nine out of ten times they'll defuse the situation before it gets to what they're fearing. Right, right. Uh, what, uh, what styles of uh, martial arts are you uh, trained in? Uh, Muay Thai, uh, Jet Keto, and uh, and um, um, a little bit of like actual actual just all out boxing and taekwondo. Great, great, great. What how how has been how has learning these martial arts also affected you know you as an artist as a music artist? Oh, that that's just kind of well. Hmm. Let's see. How did I don't? I guess it brings a certain level of peace to me, and it affects my writing. My writing is extremely organic, so. Um, having control of aggression and, that, and, and all those other emotions allows me to dictate things and, and, and write in a certain way that I guess would be different from some, some, someone else. Like um, a lot of the teachings like that are outside of the ring or octagon, however, whatever where, place you want to be in. Um, it teaches you not to – the outside teaches, teaches you how to know yourself. Yeah. You know, and I'm also a Buddhist. So learning that everything comes from within gives you a completely different perspective on the external. And with that, I get to write songs from that standpoint, you know, and understanding, like just, just, to, just the level of understanding of oneself allows you to understand everyone else and the things around you. Sounds good. Sounds good. Do you, um, when it comes to mixed martial arts, like the, the, um, the big companies these days, like UFC. Do you um do you also watch the other uh, companies, Bellator, or some of the stuff overseas? I watch Bellator and one of the one of the what's this thing called again from uh, this Thai company who does this overseas. Oh my God, they're a Korean company, and they run this other. They're a lot lot smaller. Most people don't know about them. I uh, forget the name of this place. I oh talk, man, I talk about Ryzen. Yes, yes, that's what it is. Yep, and. And I watch these, and I watch those way more than I watch UFC. Uh, UFC, obviously, like I love the roots of UFC. Yeah. My favorite thing about UFC was when, like, how it started, and they had no weight classes, and it was literally pretty much street fighting. It was, it was a shit show, <laughs> man. That was crazy, man. Those first couple, <laughs> like, it was crazy. Like, it was crazy. I was like, yo, there's, and, but that's what I mean about it. UFC showed you that, like, application in a real scenario is where most fighters should be learning because in real life, you, a guy's not going to be evenly height, evenly matched in skill and evenly matched in weight to you. That's right. not, that's not a real life scenario. That's a, that's a controlled environment where UFC, when it started, it was like, holy shit, we're going to put you in an environment, but this isn't controlled at all. Like you have no idea what this dude is capable of. And then not to mention you, he, he probably outweighs you or you probably outweigh him. It all depends. And that's what I loved about it the most. Now it's more like organized boxing to me. Although I still love it because I love to do watching dudes like Anderson Silva, Rampage Jackson, one of my favorite. Like, <laughs> like I love these dudes, but like I think even now I think a lot it's gotten so organized that it, it, 
a lot of it's gotten away from the original craft. Um, Ronda Rossi is a really big example of that. Yeah, there's there's a lot, especially right now since uh, like UFC got you know bought for four point three billion and bought by people who are into entertainment. That the whole entertainment aspect of it is really you know starting to seep its way through you know to it all, and you're seeing a lot of the smoke and mirrors of everything them promoting people who aren't like on the aren't the top yeah. competitors when you have all these other top competitors who aren't getting their fair shake and it is there is a lot of bullshit going around with it it was it was obvious like with, with, with ronda i laughed because i knew i knew both holmes and nunez like like i knew she wasn't going to be either one of them holmes like you, you are you are you kidding me? Right. She, she's a she's a fifteen time kickboxing champion. Like, <laughs> like you're not standing toe to toe with this girl. Like, let's just be real. And you don't you don't have the skill set to do it. And I and I and in parts of me felt bad for Rhonda because I'm like, your your team put you in that position. Right. Um. Right. You you you're selling a product. You sold a face. She was a really good face for what was going on. She was not. She she was beautiful. She's not your typical fighter. Yeah, a woman fighter. She doesn't look like your typical woman fighter. So with that, she fell into the the what media wants to sell perfectly. Like it was like like what you just said. The new owners knew like okay, we're gonna push this agenda. We're gonna make this more entertainment than about the fight. But the problem with that is yeah, Ronda's an outstanding entertainer. She's a really good fighter too. But at the end of the day, now the problem is when you get in the ring with other fighters, really good fighters. Uh, your Sports Illustrated cover isn't saving you. You know, your celebrity isn't going to save you in that fucking ring. And, I, and, and we watched it. Right. Nah. And I think the thing with yeah, uh, Ronda Rousey, like, is kind of like things that happen a lot of times in music also. When you have somebody who gets so, like, popular and so huge, such a celebrity, uh, in a short amount of time, that, you know, that they, you know, are out of touch with reality and their team is milking it so much that they don't want to lose their cash cow. So they, yeah. they, they say what they want, nothing in reality, you know? So that's what happened, you know? Yeah. And I don't think she was, I think even when she got into the, like, especially the Nunes fight for me, I don't think she was ready. Like, and I don't even mean training ready. I think mentally, no, nah, no, nah. I don't think she was ready. She suffered, and, and in this day and age, like it's it's crazy because me and my brother was talking about this, losing in a in a in a in a, in a prize fight because that's what these are. Yeah. Losing in a prize fight in this day and age is way more difficult than losing in a prize fight back in the days. Um, social media doesn't let you get a break from that. Like the the, the world pumbles you as the same way the world brings you up, the world pumbles you. And she took a huge loss on the biggest stage you could have possibly taken a loss on. Right, no. That mentally, fighters in general don't come back after you lose. Your 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 ego's kind of blown. Your 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 confidence is rattled. So, putting her in the ring, so and people don't think it was quickly. People thought she took too long. I don't think. I think it was too quick. I think she needed to take and against the caliber of a fighter. I think she needed to. They were more worried about what it was doing to her image rather than what it was doing to her in general. You know, waiting. She should have fought in the. She should have fought in someone that would have helped her build her confidence a little bit more. Not just come in there and just destroy her because now she may never bounce back. Right, and I would. I would love if she got. You know, had a, got a whole new team and got her mind right and did come back. But I don't know if she'll ever come back and fight. I don't know if that's gonna happen though. Like, 
because she like she it's because she became like you said this really huge entity so fucking fast. It was like one night no one knew who she was, and then the next night she was the biggest star in the world. She's in movies, she's in everything, and I'm just like, holy shit, is this for real? And they were setting her up really well because her fights weren't against fighters that could really could really cause problems for her. So she rose, she rose, she rose, and they pushed the narrative, they pushed the story, and the story was outstanding and everything was going well, and she was the biggest advocate for women and stuff, which is all awesome, but at the end of the day, you're still a fighter. You still need to train. You still need to get better. You still need to uh, focus on your weaknesses and, 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 and contain them and, and, and get them out of the way because obviously her standing game is her weakness. Very yeah. obviously, like you know, oh, like, obviously. I laughed the other day when I when I saw her fight Nunez and she lost that way. I laughed at remembering the time when she challenged Floyd Mayweather. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> like, are you are you fucking kidding me? Like, you lost to Nunez like that, and you said you could beat Floyd Mayweather's ass. That dude would pummel you. You don't have the hands for that. Like, nah. are you crazy? That's nuts. Like, it, 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 it was just hilarious to watch her say that stuff. But and. On a different vein, though, I'm I'm kind of excited, like to see Connor do it, though. Right, right. At this I'm point, when we when we first heard about this thing, we're like, oh, okay, whatever, blah blah blah. But now that it's getting gaining ground, it's kind of like, all right, oh, it might be fun to actually see it, and let's get it over with. It, it might be fun. Um, I I I applaud Connor. He's crazy. Um, I don't know why he's stepping in the ring with Floyd Mayweather. That's crazy to me because. He's pulling you into your world, just like I, just like when I first heard the first rumors, I was like, I pray to God Floyd Mayweather don't step into the obvious. <laughs> he's oh. never coming out. He's, he's not going to come out alive. God would destroy him. Like <laughs> it wouldn't even be that wouldn't even be fun to watch. Oh no, nah. that would be literally yeah. It'd, it'd be like watching a lion pummel the fucking deer. <laughs> that wouldn't be fun to watch. And just like I'm, I'm a little nervous for Connor because I don't, I don't think he un. I think he's the only thing he has on Floyd in a boxing ring is you. Yeah. I don't think he understands the – he might – his arrogance could lead him to not fully understand the magnitude of who Floyd is. Floyd didn't, Floyd didn't lose because other fighters weren't capable of beating him. Like, fighters – he Floyd, Floyd always won because he was always extremely prepared. Oh, yeah. Point blank. Like, he, as much as he talks shit, he trains just as hard. Yeah. So when when you you're, he's gonna get the best and right now his legacy is on the line. Connor's gonna get the best boxing Floyd he could, he probably ever could get, and I hope he's ready for it because he can't. He's in a position where he cannot use his technical skills. Connor can't use. Connor's not gonna be Connor McGregor. He's going to be a boxer, and that's what people don't understand. Like he, you're, you're, it's very fucking different. You're gonna to have to move different. the The way you get out of things is different. You're not gonna be able to use your hands the same. And there is no fucking ground game. Everything is standing. It's re- it's really weird though that through all this that there isn't more people coming out from the boxing world or the boxing media saying, "Yo, this is stupid, man. Like this is like really stupid." <laughs> and there's even people coming out that saying that Connor might actually have a chance. And it's like, it's it's if if it's it's just making like the boxing community seem bad, you know? Yeah, it's selling and that's the thing. They're more worried about because this is probably gonna be the fucking biggest pay per view skeptical ever. Ever. People are gonna pile in because so many people wanna see 
each of them lose. Like, so many people want to see Floyd lose. So many people want to see Conor lose. Like, what's funny, The people people want to see people lose more than they want to actually see someone win. Oh, of and, course. And that, <laughs> of that course. That is perfect <laughs> for a pay-per-view. Like, they're going to make fucking, they're going to make millions, hundreds of millions of dollars off of this, off of this fight. And, you know, that's what, that's what Floyd is about. And I always said Conor's the Floyd Mayweather of UFC. Like, they're smart. Like, they, those guys rose. And then they're capitalizing on the time where they're at their peak, especially for Connor. For him, this is going to be his biggest payout, win or lose. Right. Right. Have you been uh, paying attention to uh, what's been go- what else has been going on in UFC and Bellator these days? Not too much as, as far as like Bellator. A lot of the stuff on UFC, because I haven't had as much time as I wanted to to sit down and watch a lot of things and, and really, really dive in because we've been touring and working on this album and, and doing all this other crazy shit. So life has taken me away a lot of the times, I haven't really, really kept up on what's going on with Bellator, but UFC is a lot easier because it's kind of plastered in your face. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, what? Who's been some of the fighters that's caught your eye recently? Hmm. Really? Recently? N- not really anyone new, man. No one really new has, like, really stepped out and, and, and made me think, like, yo, okay, I'm really, really digging this dude, this dude. Is, is doing something for me that I that I that I really like. Um, what's this kid's name? This kid's name. He fought. Hold on. I was watching this dude, and he fought. I think he's gonna fight in uh. I think he fought. What was this dude? What was that fight? Really, like, really. It was. It was. The, what was that? It wasn't John. It was, it was Tate. It was Tate. Tate, who did you fight? He fought. I don't remember. Fuck. John Jones, was it? No, it wasn't. John Jones. Yeah. Other than, it was this kid Tate, but uh, other than that, John Jones is probably the dude who, like, out of anyone, like I kind of like I, I kind of like him. I kind of like what he's doing and things that are happening for him. I like I like him. In the, I like him in the octagon. I like the way he fights. Oh yeah, he, he's he's an exciting guy. Just hope for you know. Hopefully he can get his you know his demons settled and that and his de- and all that in the past. You know, so when he comes back. Yeah, I don't think. I think that you know what's crazy about his demons. I think that that's part of the reason he excels. Yeah, he just needs to like not be not get blacked out drunk the night before he fights that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I know that. Yeah, of course, because that doesn't make any freaking sense. You shouldn't be doing that. But for me, I think that those we're seeing when you see that he's getting blacked out drunk. There's, there's certain things that he has to have. He has a chip on his shoulder. For me, I feel like all the time, yeah. and a lot of the times where it's, it's kind of like one of those things where um, the same reason they hate him is the same things that make him right. And I'd like to see him find a, 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 a balance to that. You know, don't lose it. Don't don't become this this saint, but rail it in a little bit. Right. If he could, like, find that balance, he has everything to be literally the best fighter in the world, period. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's, he just got to get all of the, like, I guess the life shit out the way. And all that shit's really difficult, man. I always try to empathize with these guys because at the end of the day, like, we all have our vices and we all have our demons. Yeah. Um, I think shaking them, that's one of the, that's even one of, like, the conversations I was having with someone. Like, I think a lot of these um, 
pro athletes and professional athletes should there should be something in line to help them deal with that. Um, you throw these guys huge spotlights and tons of money, and a lot of them don't know how to handle that. You know, a lot of them have personal issues that's going on that that I guess a lot of their cornermen and a lot of people on their teams are. I, you have to be aware of. You spend a lot of time with these guys, um, but not having something in place where fighters can feel like they can they can turn to someone outside of just fighting yeah, and outside of being a, a, a pro that, hey, like, I'm struggling with this and don't have to worry about it becoming a public skeptical or, or don't have to worry about it shaming them or making them feel weak. Because a lot of fighters, a lot of fighters have that thing where you're strong, you're strong physically um, and mentally in the fighting space. But outside of that space, if you're, if there's any weakness that it, it, it just, it destroys you. Which isn't true because as humans, we're weak. We're all weak at multiple things, something at some point. Right. Yeah. And that... being a pro, you're, you're under the illusion that this guy's not weak ever. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That reminds me of like this. This was probably back in like you know ninety eight, ninety nine, like the hip hop scene in Detroit. Uh, mm-hmm. this, this is right when Eminem was blowing up. So like all of his boys in D twelve were uh, getting shine on him. Uh, you had people like Royce the Five Nine getting shine on him. He had all these other rappers getting interest from record labels and everything. And what would happen though is that it didn't turn in any of these people into we're just gonna work hard and make best music we can. It turned into this thing where they were fighting each other and guns were being pulled and there's beefs happening and there's all this stuff is because they they were becoming over these overnight success and didn't know how to handle it. That's one of the biggest things I always say that with like uh, pros on any level from music to fighting to even like just regular sports. Like think about these guys. Like 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 you take. A 19-year-old kid a lot of the time, any range from 19 to, like, 25, and you give them the most money they've ever seen in their life, most money that most average people would never see in their fucking lives, and you slump that in with tons of fame, and you expect them to act accordingly. That is the why. Like, think about, like, I always think about this. Like, um, I couldn't imagine. One of my good friends is Ryan Grant. He's the, uh, he was, he's, he used to be the running back for the Packers. Okay. And Ryan... I think about this like I can't I can't even outside of Ryan having really good parents helping him to manage the amount of money he was getting like he was getting over a I think it was like close to 800 grand every two weeks oh dang that's what I bet see, you see what I'm saying think about that wow. <laughs> think about you at like 21 with that kind of money jeez <laughs> shit <laughs> you imagine like an unleashed out into the world with fame and money in that kind of a way? Like, I don't really know many 21 year olds that can handle that. Like, right. I know I would have been losing my shit. You wouldn't have been able to tell me nothing. Right. <laughs> like, right. I'm a fucking man. Get out of my fucking face. I'll buy you. <laughs> <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know? I know, man. Like, that shit's fucking crazy. And that's the magnitude of what all of these guys are dealing with, like you're dealing with so much and then you throw in something like social media where the, the lights are constantly on. Yeah, that is, it's, a, it's the perfect recipe for disaster. So when you, when you got guys like Jones, got, these guys like, yeah, we don't want him out 
fucking drinking, getting plastered the night before a fight, but what can you really tell him? Right. <laughs> Someone did that. That the, the intervention should have happened a long time ago because I'm pretty sure the signs were there all the way through. Like, oh, that's what I mean about the teams definitely. having things in, in flux in, within their systems to help earlier on when you start first seeing the signs of something like that. This thing just didn't, like, he wasn't just like a saint and then all of a sudden woke up and just did that. <laughs> right. Like, he, he probably had a drinking problem from jump. I, that nobody's in the bud because he's the star. He's the, he's the reason why we're getting to be where we at. So we kind of, like, let him do what he wants to do. Definitely. Yeah, and this and all of this reminds me, too, like the – like you mentioned the social media aspect. Uh do you know the uh the the women's MMA fighter uh uh Shayna Blazer? Yes. She yeah. I was just uh listening to a uh a podcast with her because she's made a transition in into um to pro wrestling. Uh she's been on the indie wrestling circuit, been going to Japan recently. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, and she was talking about how one of the things um one of the things that sort of uh, you know, made her transition into pro wrestling was that uh, she had made all these waves in MMA, and then all of a sudden, and was getting all these all this love from the community, from the fans online. But then when she went into the UFC and pretty much what how she said shit the bed in the UFC, it was like everybody turned on her, and nothing that she did beforehand meant shit to anybody nah. anymore, and it really broke her heart, you know. Yeah, so that a lot of the times they put their all into this and think about that. Like, and that's why I said about like how devastating it, it could be and her going into pro wrestling. Like, look, look, she's searching for support. Yeah. And that's pretty what that that's pretty much what that is. And how how are they? Like I said, we give these fighters everything. But the minute they fall, there's nothing there for them. Right. And she said she was, she was able to find like actually like find something great in being in indie wrestling as you know as much as like the internet wrestling community can be like total assholes you know you know keyboard warriors or whatever like the the ones that actually go out to the shows go to the go out to the gymnasiums or the vfw halls or whatever they're they're being held at those people are actually really cool and supportive so there is a definite air of of uh, support that the indie wrestling circuit does have for people what did you say what was the last thing you said uh saying that there is an air of support that the indie wrestling circuit does have for that fighters that come come in and perform well very true yeah very true very very true and and you would hope that other forms other like like other places would adapt to that and, and, and kind of take that model and say, hey, this is something that we should we should look into. I think it should be something a lot more essential. I shouldn't. Be, I, th- I don't think it should be left to just the fans and the people who support on the back. And I think a lot of these companies should set things up and 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 just really understand the mental state behind your fighters. Like I think that plays a huge role in a fighter's lifespan in general uh, 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 within their pro careers. I think if you if you don't feel like once you lose your career is over, I think on a standpoint you mentally you'll be in a better space, and I think we have a lot 
a lot. We'd have better fighters, and for long, for a longer stint of time. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah, kind of sidewaying into like the to the wrestling. Uh, are you just someone you know? Do you just watch WWE or do you check out the other uh, organizations? I haven't checked out the when it comes to wrestling. I haven't checked out really much of the other organization. I'm mostly a WWE dude and just watch that stuff. Because for me, uh, when it comes to the wrestling, I, I know there's a lot of like us way more, like smaller indie kind of like a lot uh, program that they, a lot tons of them tons. um i just don't I, I just never really dove into it and really really watched it like that. i'm pretty sure it's awesome i you know i catch my like backyard wrestling shit i catch shit anytime i can get on youtube and watch some shit but it's more so just like for me what i've watched is more so pro wrestling okay what wwe what extravagances that i like to watch <laughs> i like i fall in love when it comes to wrestling it's funny i fall in love more and i and i would say it's my guilty pleasure I fall in love more with the characters than the actual wrestling skills. <laughs> right. Because I love the fucking... The characters are awesome. Like, dude, like, really? I was like, you guys are... They're, they're some of the best actors in the world and people don't even realize that. Right. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty much what it's about, man. Like... Yeah, it really like, is, know, like, man. People say that, like the Rock, like they're like, oh, I can't believe he transitioned into movies. I can't believe he transitioned into movies. He's played multiple characters for a very long time. I can't believe he did that. He's always had that skill set, like, and a lot of them do. I think a lot of them could uh, to, to, to get into movies and do a lot of that stuff. Dwayne is just really smart. Oh, right. Who are some of your favorites? Uh, well, damn, like some of my favorite wrestlers would go from like. Oh my god! From Mark Henry to fucking shit, it like growing up, like I really was into like like watching because my brother loved him, the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, I always like watch watch and watch back shit on that. His, his story is extremely sad. Um, on that, and I obviously love The Rock because he's got the most swag in the world. But pound for pound, my favorite fucking wrestler of all time is Steve Austin. Oh yeah, mine too. Like. Yo, <laughs> dude, 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 he, he made any, any moment, any segment, like a hundred times better. Yeah, <laughs> he would ignite and set things on fire. Dude. I love that. Dude. Like, he, he's pound for pound. I loved him. And I also, for on some weird shit, I really liked Razor Ramon too. <laughs> oh, oh, of course, man. Of course, man. Like, do you remember the, remember those, uh, the vignettes they uh, used to play during uh, before his uh, his debut. Yep, those just were crazy. <laughs> oh and another my... weirdo, fucking gold dust was always cool and weird to me. I thought that dude was just weird. Like, like what? I think and imagine gold dust in this era though. Like, imagine him prominent now with all like the LGBTQ stuff and think about how gold dust would be received now. Man, yeah, if he just debuted like right now, man, like yeah, right, it'd be fucking, it would be crazy. Man, it would. It'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, I, I thought about that the other day. I was talking to my brother. I was like, "Yo, could you imagine Goldust in this in this world? Like, it would be nuts." Like peak Goldust, man. Like peak, like. I'm gonna lick your face in the middle of the ring. Yeah, I'm talking about you. You know what gold dust I'm talking about. And grope like, you. And grope right you. <laughs> Pete gold gold dust groping right now. Oh my god, that's <clears throat> crazy. Their sales would spike like no tomorrow. <laughs> you would want to watch that, man. I I definitely want to. I would watch that, man. I'd still watch that, man. Oh, 
Yo, I would watch that in a heartbeat. <clears throat> Have you have you been paying attention to you know anything recent going on in WWE? Nah, not really. My my life has been like completely just like freaking music, touring, and all this other shit. And when you're on a road, you don't get to keep up with anything. I barely got to keep up with any other other sports that I like to watch. I barely like to keep up with anything, dude. It's been crazy. Like now that I'm home for a little bit and we're just gonna be chilling, I'm I'm gonna like back watch and catch up on. So much shit. I'm gonna binge. Right. Um. What's you know? What's what tour? Like, go ahead. What have you? Like, what's been going on? Update me a little bit. Oh. Um. Well, right now the WWE is in a brand split between Raw and SmackDown. And really? They, yeah. They had a. Uh, they had a draft maybe about six, seven months ago. But then this past week, they had a, what they called the Superstar Shake-Up, where they, they, they basically traded about nine superstars between the brands. Oh, wow. And, dude, and they, they moved SmackDown to Tuesdays, and it's live now, and SmackDown has been an awesome show. It's been a yeah, really, really would, awesome show. But why, what, why the changes? What's the... I don't get it. I'm not. I'm not sure. What, I, I. I'm not sure. There's. There's different. Differing reasons I've heard about why it's happening, but Raw is still like Raw. What it is, and sometimes, and so, and basically, recently, Raw has been really weird with its storylines, where you don't really understand where things are happening. Whereas SmackDown was more, I guess, competition based, but there were still storylines based on that, and that's why it was so good. And yep. And from what I'm hearing, like. SmackDown has been kind of being used as sort of an, an incubator to sort of flesh out certain superstars who've come up from NXT and, and kind of, it's, it's almost like an, another development step to bring them up to like the raw brand almost where you hit. And it's been, it's been really good though, man. I've been, SmackDown has been killing it, you know, and, there's been so many guys. There's so many guys in WWE right now that have come from, like, that were prominent in the indie organizations or been prominent in TNA years ago. Because you have like Samoa Joe and AJ Styles, and um, there's so many. Of course, you have like people like Seth Rollins and and um, Kevin Owens and oh, and I Cesaro. Love Kevin yeah, you got all these guys that were prominent on the indies before. They're in. They're like the main faces of WWE now, and it's crazy. And that, but I, I think that's awesome. That's natural progression. Oh yeah, I definitely. think that's definitely how it should go and how it always should be. Yeah, for a long time it was like WWE just wanted to like wanted their own people, man. Wanted to make their own like superstars, and to a certain extent they do try to do that. But also, we're like. We're like in a golden age of indie wrestling right now. There's so much good indie wrestling. There's a lot, lot, a lot of great talent out there that you can't ignore the fact that these guys are out there. Oh, and I and they'll, I think they'll rise. They'll definitely rise to the top of because the, the one thing about it is like the people are going to dictate that every single time. Once someone starts to get to the point of a height of some popularity in the indie circuit, they'll start to pick them up. Because at the end of the day, uh, WWE and all the other, like, that shit's all about money. That shit's all, like, driven to, like, just 
it's a cash cow. Yeah. So it's like once you start to drive that kind of an audience, people want to see you, that's just going to bump up. So it's great that the indie circuit is doing well and that they actually got really, really good wrestlers there. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. To uh, kind of close out this interview, uh, you said you guys are going, you've been touring a lot. You know, how's tour life been? Oh, tour life's crazy. Uh, I always tell people that. Like, it's like, it's fun as shit because you're like, I got, it, it's, it makes you like the things you experience. Being able to, to like tour the entire country. We've been to, we've played in 48 of the 50 states. Okay. Like we've been at, and uh, I would say the lifestyle is crazy because living out of a bag for months and weeks at a time is nuts. But being able to see the country in a way that no one, like going through the Rockies, I was, like standing near Redwood, Redwood Forest trees, like those things are humongous. Like it just changed your perspective of the world. And also we had the opportunity to tour during this last election season. It's like you really get to see, like coming from New York, you really get to see how other people live and what are they, what, what's important to them. And then you get to see why certain, what's, what's separating the country and the way it's separating. Like they're day-to-day things that may be, that we don't realize is valuable to them that on our side, we're like, what the hell is that? And on their side, they're like, what the hell is that? Just the differences in lifestyles and different cultures. It's really, really cool. Like, that's one thing I could say about tour life and living. But then other than that, you rage, you learn not to party too, too much because <laughs> you will burn yourself out. Um, <laughs> and then you miss, you honestly, you miss your bed. You miss home a lot. Like, your own bed. Even if, like, you're sleeping in hotels, you're doing all this cool shit, but, like, you miss just, like, regular stable shit because, like, being in a different state every day is nuts. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, what's next for Oxymorons? Um, right now, we are working on the new album, Gateway Drug, and uh, releasing some singles, doing some content. Um, we're really, really, really owning the whole like uh, hip-hop and rock space. We're just owning that, and we're owning the pros and the cons that come with it. Like, um, like I said early in the interview, it hasn't been easy because we're in this space uh we're not expected to be in this space um but it's a space that we're definitely going for and we're going to own it and we're going to gun and i think people are going to start to realize we're, we're going to be a lot more vocal we're going to be just as vocal as our struggles on our struggles on than on our wins this time like we we, we we talk about the fun we talk about how awesome it is but we very rarely tell people the stories and the things that we've dealt with that aren't like lavish and glamorous and really really fun. So on this album, there's going to be a balance of them both. So I, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm really excited and it's been awesome just working on it in general. Great, great, great. Yeah, it's been awesome, t- awesome talking with you, man. Uh, where can, um, where can people uh, find you um, online? Oh, at, at Oxymorons. That's uh, um, O X Y. M-O-R-R-O-N-S, and that's across the board on every social media platform. We don't change it anywhere. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and all that other shit. Uh, and it's us controlling it. There's no interns or no other nonsense like that. We kind of, like, keep it real and <laughs> uh, for, the, for, for lack of a better term. And, <laughs> so if people want to hit us up, hit us up, dude, because you can speak to us directly. We are not shy. We have fun. Hit us up about anything. Awesome, man. Yeah, man, it's been great talking with you. Yeah, super great talking to you, man. Thank you, man. I really appreciate this. Definitely want to look into doing more stuff like this. This is really, really, really cool, and definitely will be keeping up with your with your podcast and keeping up with like anything that you're doing. Just let me know. Update us for real. Oh no Keep doubt. Man. When we come back, 
And when we come through to Detroit, man, we got to kick it. Oh, definitely. Got, there's too many similarities. We got to hang out, man. You got to either come to the show or we go get lunch, whatever. Oh, either definitely. Way. Okay, so that was my interview with Demi from the Oxymorons. He was such a cool guest. I love talking with him. Definitely want to have him on the show again. Now let's talk about some things. And like always, I'm joined with my guest host, Detroit hip-hop artist, yeah. MMA enthusiast, pro wrestling enthusiast, and proud Marine V-Styles. How you doing, bro? Yeah, yeah. How are you? How you doing, man? I'm alive. <laughs> and Hey, look, and that's the most important thing that you're alive, man. And you know, I knew you were. I knew I knew you were down for a minute, but I knew my boy would be back. So I'm, I'm glad you're back. Missed you last week on the on the podcast that we didn't do. So let's have a little fun right now. Yeah, it was a, last. And the thing was, last week I really wanted to talk about my little road trip that I took, um, because. Uh, not this uh, past weekend, but the weekend before that, I did take a little road trip. Uh, went to a couple wrestling uh, events and went to uh, UFC uh, 210. And it was a really fun road trip. It was just like, I basically went from Detroit to Dayton, Ohio, to Buffalo to Toronto and back, like within a span of a few days. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it, it was super fun. It was like... And the weather was perfect during all that time, so it was just like I got to like really just be on the road, you know. Not to sound like a, a country mm-hmm. music song or anything, but the open road was mine, you know. <laughs> Real so, shit. <laughs> so I was just I, I got to like really just kinda think about things and it was cool, like the um the first thing that I went to was uh, Rockstar Pro Wrestling in uh, Dayton, Ohio. They're having their spring break eye pay-per-view. And okay. this is like one of my favorite uh, wrestling companies to go to. Um, they, Rockstar? Yeah, it's called Rockstar Pro. And okay. um, they, they actually just started um, uh, airing their weekly uh, TV program that they put together on the, the Fight TV app. Uh, then okay. they, then they, uh, then once a month they sort of have like an eye pay per view, but okay. seeing seeing them live actually going to the show is like a lot better than watching their uh, their uh, their t- their their televised stuff because they're still not mm-hmm. up there with their uh, production value for like you know TV stuff and everything. But when you actually go right. to the actually go to the event, it's so much fun, man. And um, one of the and one of the, one of the main cats there uh, is um, Sammy Callahan, which many in the WWE universe might have known him as. Uh, um, dude, what was his name in uh, in NXT? Um, Solomon Crow. He was in. He was, oh yeah, that's the dude that they let go. Okay. Yeah, he was Solomon Crow. Back when he was Solomon Crow, he was kind of like this weird sort of hacker you know, cyber hacker sort of, uh, you know, character or whatever they're trying to do with him. But they could, they could never really right. get him over or anything. So he did, he did, you know, he left NXT. And he's actually been one of the dopest, like, cats, like, on the whole indie scene. He He's, like, the reason, the reason I like him is, like, anytime he comes out, you know some shit's about to get fucked up, you know? Oh, that's always a good thing. Like you know, like <laughs> you the are. intensity is there, man. You know, stuff's about to get broken, things about to get 
people about to get thrown around man it's like dope and he had and uh he had at this event that I went to he, he had this match against uh Zachary Wentz he's another one of my favorites mm-hmm. on the underground like he goes by his his uh his sort of catchphrase or his nickname is like he's the sickest dude of all the land he's like sick dude you know <laughs> I love him man and and they had and they had a boards match which they had all these like plywood boards all over the place and they're basically throwing each other into them all it was like so much fun and um then there's another like one of the funniest matches that there was an intergender match uh there's this uh women's wrestler samantha heights and she was going against uh joey ryan uh and he was and he was doing all of his uh you know usual you know penis dong stick and everything and that was that was really super fun but like in all like the always the rockstar pro shows are super fun and if you can if you're ever in the dayton ohio area for um they they do they do something like every wednesday i think there and then they do like one like major event a month uh it's always a fun time to go to go to those. I'm actually gonna. I actually took photos there. I still haven't posted them on the Fresh of the Word website, but um, I'm gonna post those real soon. The photos that I took at the event, but super super fun. And I always uh, try to make it out there if if I can. You know, it's only like a three and a half hour drive from here, so it's not a big you know a big travel you know for me. Mm-hmm. And then um. Mm. And then after that was when uh, I drove, uh, I got a room for the night, and then the next day I drove uh, up to uh, Buffalo for uh, UFC 210. Uh, mm. Okay, there's a lot, there's a, there's a little bit to talk about outside of just the event. Okay, driving, driving through Ohio and through, um, you know, Pennsylvania, out through New York, when you're going through the, you know, by the coast of the Great Lakes, it's all really beautiful. It's all really, really beautiful. It's a, it was a perfect drive. There was, you know, it was sunny the whole time. It was, it was, it was decently warm, that whole drive there. But what was the mm-hmm. one thing you told me about Buffalo when I first told you I was going? Oh, it's industrial, and it kind of reminds you like Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm I'm dry. I'm getting closer to Buffalo, and what I'm noticing is when you start getting to just before you get to the cities, before getting into Buffalo, you start seeing all these little industrial towns, and mm-hmm. next thing I know, it's just miles and miles of these big industrial complexes that are rotting away or for lease there's nothing in them i'm sorry i got a little scared for a minute there and this was in the middle of the day i thought i was driving through like a post-apocalyptic like war land or something man i thought like mutant people or zombies were about to come out of these places they looked so like similar similar to detroit right yes but i think even a little worse man yeah, and because it's more industrial. It's yeah, because it's more industrial. That, yeah, it's way more industrial. It's almost like the Terminator when when the worlds turn bad. Yes, yeah, like that stuff. You're like 
you're sitting there, and I'm like, I'm driving through the, this this little town, and I think one of the towns was named like Waka Laka or something like that. And mm-hmm. I'm just driving, and I'm like, and I'm not in and on some real shit. I'm not seeing any other people at this time too. And this is like middle of the day. This is still like six o'clock in the after or in the like afternoon evening, and I'm like, bro, man, this is I'm a little. I feel like some, like, zombie people are about to come out, man. Because I'm like, I see these big industrial buildings. They're empty or they're falling apart. And I'm like, dude, man, I got to get out of here, man. <laughs> Let me... yeah, hey, hey, look, it, may, it makes you wonder. Damn, that's, maybe that's why M signed them. Because uh, Buffalo kind of remind me of the deal a little bit. Dude, and then... Talking about West Side Gun and Conway. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, man. And as soon as you get in, and then like as soon as you get into uh, like Buffalo, where I was going, uh, the part of Buffalo I was going, like the first thing that I see is a casino, and then right next to that's pretty much the uh, the auditorium where I went to uh, the arena where I went to see UFC. I'm like, mm. I'm like, this does a lot, you know. It, it reminds you of Detroit a little bit, but like that little stretch. Ain't New York, it's about Buffalo. Right, man. I was like, not New York about Buffalo. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. I was like, man, bro, this this is looking a little scary, man. I'm like, I, I thought some mutant people, man. It looked like, like you know, like I think no, no, like in uh. In like RoboCop, when they go like on, I think it was on like Zug Island or something, and there's all that, mm-hmm. all that, sh- like they're fighting on there. That's what it reminded me of, man. I thought RoboCop was about to break out, man. Yes, it's it's definitely it's different, it's different. But you know, Detroit and Buffalo are real similar to where I mean, but I'm pretty sure you didn't get a chance to go everywhere, but I'm pretty sure it might be it's, it's some dope spots there. But you don't get a chance to see that because, you know, it's like, wow, man, what, where am I at? This is New York? No fucking way. You know? Right. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm definitely with you on that, man. Yeah, and, and yeah, because I didn't really, yeah, I didn't get time to kind of go around because the part of town where the arena, where UFC is being held at, it was like in a downtown area, but it still wasn't close to a lot of things because for blocks and blocks, all there was was like other more parking, and then there was like another baseball, a small like uh, minor league baseball field, and mm-hmm. but there wasn't really a lot of things to go to in walking distance, and I'm like, right, I was like, um, all right, and then, and I didn't even notice this till like after I left. Like, like how close I was to the to the Canadian border, because I left. Because oh, yeah. I left. Because I left to go to uh, uh to Toronto right after it, and next thing I know, that's I see a sign that I'm going. That that's another similarity of Detroit, because we ride off the Canadian border as well. Right, like right, they are right on the Canadian border. Like I didn't even. Re- next thing I know, I see a sign. I'm like. You are now entering Canada. I was like, oh, shit, already? Oh, damn. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, uh, UFC 210, uh, I had a fun time at it. That was 
there are some weird things that happened at it, to say mm-hmm. the least. <laughs> the whole uh, Musasi and Weidman uh, thing. <laughs> who put who picked Gagar to win? Me. Right. <laughs> I picked Gagar to win, and guess what line comes next? My boy beat him, dog. So, um, I wasn't surprised at all with, with with that. I pretty much I called it. Um, I figured it was gonna be a fill-out round, the first round, and. It's something about that last knockout that Chris Weidman had that is, to me, to, at least in my opinion, I think it's going to affect him for the rest of his career. Um, oh, yeah, when uh, Yale just need him and yeah. to, to yeah, next that year? Yeah, last knockout is going to affect him because if, if you look at Chris Weidman, when you look at him, it's, he, he almost like Forrest Whitaker now. Like one eye is bigger than the other one. Right. Like when like like one eye looked like four nineteen and the other one looked like four twenty. <laughs> you know that's what it looked like, and it's hard to recover from a horrible knockout like that. So when he got need, you know he was looking for an escape. He tried to use the rules for his advantage, but then when they came on him and said, "Hey, look, man, that was legal. We just looked at the replay. Boom, get on up." Now it's Okay, I'm ready to fight. He was on his way of, of getting knocked out. That was going to happen. Now, Gengar, when Gengar sees blood, he's going after that. Right. So, you know, he, he can say what he wants to say, but, um, you know, this correct decision was made. You know, it would have been a KO. He's lucky it was a TKO because he would have gotten knocked out. Gengar, it, it was... It was he lifted them, them. The first knee was legit, and then the second knee came. He lifted that hand up as the knee connected. Um, it, everything was legit, man. Um, yeah, Chris Wyman not the same, man. I think he, you know, he need to reevaluate some things. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Gay Guard. Hopefully, he get a, another high profile match soon. And, you know, we see where we go from there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then you had uh. DC versus uh, Rumble, and it was exactly how uh, Mo said it was going to happen. Predicted that too. Yeah, he did. He called the second round too, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, basically said it's going to pretty much the exact replica of the same uh, the first fight. Right. Do you think? Do you think to a certain extent Rumble might have thrown that fight to a certain extent just to because he knew? I think. I think Rumble. I didn't understand the whole wrestling. Like, why would you? No one did. Do why would you? Why would you do what he does best? You, you. His team, like, his team, from the, like from the beginning, them, man. Keep distance. Throw your hands. Keep distance. Throw your hands. Keep distance. Maybe use a light kick here and there, like you was doing. But keep distance and throw your hands. That's the only way you're going to win. You're not going to out wrestle an Olympian. Period. You, you, that's not going to happen. I don't care how good your wrestling may be, the the the, the wrestling that you took in, in 
you know, in high school and in, in, in whatever collegiate program you were in, it's not going to add up to what Daniel Cormier has accomplished. So, no. um, you know, I was just like, wow, what the fuck are you doing? I think everybody was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, even his corner, and, even his corner left him after the fight because they were so mad. Yeah, yeah, they, that's unprofessional though. I don't think they should have abandoned him like that. Right. But I, you know, um, rumor has it, just rumors, you know, um, that he's gonna be working for the Los Angeles Rams in some capacity. Yeah. You know, at least what at least what I heard. You know, he's not going to be a football player, but, you know, he's going to he's gonna have a cake job, from what I understand. Mm. Good for him. You Good know, if him. he can make more money doing that than taking shots and not have to worry about the horrible Reebok sponsorship money. Right. Then why not? Definitely. Go for it. And he's had an amazing career you know? in, in MMA, so... If he has a, an awesome uh, opportunity now to, you know, somewhere else, go do it, man. He definitely, in my opinion, just looking at that, and I looked at that fight several times, it was almost like he was looking for a way out. He wanted to get this shit over with. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's pretty much what happened. You know, second round. Mo called that shit off. He, he called it out. You know, he predicted it, so... I said the third, he said the second. So it, it went down in the second round. So good win for DC. I really hope he fights, um, what's that, what is it, uh, Jimmy uh, Manua? Yeah, Manua, yeah. Yeah, I hope he fights him next. I hope John Jones um, takes a, you know, he needs to take a, a you know, a, a quick, you know, he need he need a match back. He need the what's the word that I'm looking for? He need a uh, a tune up fight. He just need he need a tune up fight. And uh I don't think getting in there with D C automatically, you know, will get him that belt, especially for those like me who think that he's already you know, I, I look at John Jones, you know, like he's tainted. Um, I don't know, man. I look at it, him looks, like it looks like uh, the word around the his whole career. It looks like the word around the MMA water cooler is that they might be doing uh, Cormier and uh, John Jones in uh, Anaheim for uh, two fourteen. Yeah, July twenty ninth, but um, he still has to get reinstated. He come off suspension, but he got to get reinstated. And yeah. is he training right now currently for a fight? Um, nobody knows anything. So, right. you know, I, I, I would, I think he need to take a tune-up fight. Why not fight Alexander Gustafsson? Y'all still have, you know, unsettled business. I don't think it's fair to reward a dude that gets in trouble you know, right now, honestly, I hope John Jones does well, but I still just, you know, from my perspective, I don't think it's fair to reward a dude that has constantly shown that he's going to be getting in trouble. Every time you get his dude to pass, he fucks it up. So, again, um, 
I just don't think he deserves a title fight right now. Not the first, not the first fight. Nah. And it just letting you know. It just, it just lets you know that UFC is, is searching. They searching for stars, and well, not stars, but they searching for, you know, people to, you know, get their shit back. You know, rating wise on point. You know, and financial wise on point, man. Because you know, yeah, we talk about John Jones, but at the end of the day, you know, we really care about. Him being in that cage, otherwise we wouldn't be talking about him. You know, you take fighting away from John Jones, nobody would give a fuck. That's just <clears throat> keeping it one hundred. But you put him in that in that cage, you know, I would be a hater to say that he's, you know, not, you know, just from what we've seen him do in the past, the goat. But now, with you know him popping, you know. Have you been on steroids this whole time? You just don't know. Right. And then if you think about it, when when he fought OSP, John Jones looked like a bum. I always say you put him in there with somebody the same size, the same height, he's not the same John Jones that dominates the smaller fighters. He's just not. And if you look at film on it, it's the reality. OSP is not – I mean, he's a good light heavyweight, but – He's not, you know, especially when we've seen from John Jones, he's not on John Jones' level. But, you know, post-Usada coming in, John Jones looked like a different dude. He couldn't even knock that guy out. Right, right. So, and we've, and we, and we've seen Jimmy knock that guy out with one punch. So, I just think, you know, maybe we need to see him again. You know, maybe we need to see him in a, in a tune-up fight, man. But rewarding that dude with a title shot on, on July 29th makes UFC look extremely desperate. And what message does it send? Here it is, you dog-fucking Matt Riddle for smoking weed. And he had an unblemished record in UFC. You cut him, get rid of him. But yet, if it wasn't for other things involving John Jones, you're probably still be hiding all his faults, you know. Uh, and rumor has it that he hid up under, you know, a, 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 a cage, you know, when you saw the surprise. You know, we all heard that story. <laughs> make you wonder, man. All that shit make you wonder. Has he been a clean fighter this whole entire time? Dude has legs like a chicken, but you can, you know, you could. You could what deadlift six hundred pounds? Make you wonder, man. Look at them legs, bro. Right. <laughs> Look at them legs. You know, and I wanna I used to root for John I used to talk to John Jones on Twitter when then nobody know who John Jones was. And everybody became John Jones fans after win after win and you know, I've seen that dude change. I watched that guy change, at least from the social media aspect, he went from a humble dude to this Hollywood dude. And, you know, I'm all, I'm all in for, you know, you, 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 it's like Ronda Rousey, you know, you, you, you show one side and then you have a big fall and you kind of be like, okay, well maybe this person got a little humble, you know, maybe I'm, you know, because you want to see a feel-good story. You want to see a turnaround story. Right. 
You do that for John Jones again, and what he do? He go out and hit a pregnant lady and, you know, all this other shit. Okay. Boom. Second time. Come back. Okay. Um, damn, I want to see him do good again. Come back. Oh, shot at redemption. Oh, this is another feel-good story. So we done fucked up twice. He going to be good, blah, 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 blah. Boom. We pop for, you know, I mean, although it wasn't steroids, but what you pop for is 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 the, when you cycle off steroids. That's what you pop for. And when people say, you sort of found me clean. No, they didn't find you clean. You still got the maximum sentence of what they could give you. They gave you a year. So they gave you a year. You're not clean. You know, uh, so who knows? You know, if I was, you know, the Oracle right now, just on the past couple of years, do you do I think John Jones is gonna fuck up again? <laughs> you know, you wanna say you, you, you wanna say no, but history shows he's a fuck up. So, you know, um I hope he doesn't, but you know, what message is UFC showing by rewarding this dude a title shot? Like it's similar to giving Ronda Rousey a title shot after taking a year off. What other fighter can do some whole ass shit like that? Right, right, right. Definitely. You take a year off, then all of a sudden, boom! Hey, hey your first match back is for the title. You but 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 you 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 can't give you can't give Lou Rockhold a rematch. Rockhold a rematch of his shit. He deserved a rematch. He deserved a rematch just on the fact that Bisbing wasn't the dude he was supposed to fight. You know, but yet, you know, everything is politics and bullshit, man. So it is what it is. Yep, yep. To uh, kind of uh, close out my road trip story, after uh, UFC 210, I did. I cut. Her, I went over to Toronto, um, where I, I know a few people over there, so I got to hang out with some of my friends. But I got to see mm-hmm. another um, wrestling promotion out there called Smash Wrestling, and this was the mm-hmm. first time that I've, I've been out to uh, to see Smash, and it was such a good good show um there was uh you know people like um who are known on the underground like on the independent scene like uh jeff cobb who jeff cobb is uh um also in lucha underground plays the matanza character and um okay and then uh michael elgin was uh there which michael elgin actually does every time i see him He's another person. Every time I see him at an indie wrestling event, I'm, like, blown away by his matches. It was, so he was in a uh, – they were, they were both in a four-way match with uh, a couple of Smash Wrestling homegrown talent, Tariq and um, Brent Banks. And that was such a good, good match. And from top, from top to bottom, this is another great organization. Uh, the – the main event was a, a no dis, no a no disqualification match between Jimmy Havoc, who uh, he was on um, he was like in TNA Impact for a little bit. Um, he's really known in the undergrounds. He's from uh, he's a British wrestler, uh, and he was going against uh, Tyson Ducks, who who he, he was a part of the Cruiserweight Classic, I believe, um, and that okay. was actually really dope. 
Um, but like Smash is actually really is another uh, company that is really good at sort of making some of their own homegrown talent. Um, and they were able to showcase it at this event. So um, anytime you're in Toronto and there's a, a Smash Wrestling event going on, um, like definitely, definitely try to check it, um, check it out. They're having another one next uh, next month in May, and I believe uh, Zack Sabre Jr. is going to be there. Um, and I forget who else is going to be on the card, but it looks like it's going to be a dope card. Mo, Mo, Mo just texted me, and I know he want to talk. I told him, I said, man, we're doing this podcast now. We can't be interrupted. So <laughs> you tell him. <laughs> tell Mo. Yeah, you tell Mo. We can't be interrupted. <laughs> Real shit. <laughs> but uh yeah that was the that was the conclusion to my road trip and it was a really dope road trip i got a, you know got to think about a lot of things have some time away from every everybody and everything see some good wrestling ain't that the, ain't that the best right no oh, that is the fucking oh my god man that's the one baby that's the one um when next time you um uh, well a couple of things when next time you plan on going to toronto I don't know yet because right right now I'm I'm kind of like um I'm kind of like not like planning anything because I'm I have this idea of like quitting my job so <laughs> so I'm not trying to like spend money right now and I'm try, I'm going to try to figure out things uh from that. So I'm not definitely I'm not sure about when I'm going out of town again. So, I don't know. Uh. <clears throat> well, you know I want to do some uh you know I want to do some of that independent shit with you, man, as oh, far yeah. as being on the road. Just keep me posted. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. But uh yeah, for right now I don't know yet cuz to be honest, I wanted to quit my job last uh, Thursday, but then I got sick. <laughs> you know, I'm just reading some breaking shit, and it says, um, I'm glad you're feeling better, though. Um, I'm reading some breaking shit, and it's saying, looks like John Jones will go get the shot. <sighs> well, I tell you, man. Dude, tell you, tell you. That's tell that you. bullshit. That's that bullshit, man. Mm, mm, mm. See again. Well, I just hope. See, 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 you have stuff like that happening, and then you have someone like uh, um, Demetrius Johnson who just keeps on winning and winning, and defending his title and can't get any respect even from the company itself. Oh man, I'm mad about that too, bro. He deserves to pay that. Now you told me you want to talk about goats. You know, that dude deserves his just due. And the fact of the matter is, it's not his fault. He fights in a division that people don't care about. It's the UFC that should promote him just like they try to promote their so-called stars who wind up either um, overrated or drug addicts and 
felonious people hitting hitting other people with cars and breaking their arms. But um, they want to promote that, but you don't want to promote the good. You know, he he he's a jewel. You know, uh, DJ should be celebrated. And what's crazy you know, is just, that uh, is that uh, DJ went on his uh, Twitch channel and asked his asked his fans after the um the ratings came out in regards to uh, uh, his fight night. Um, if they even saw a commercial for that fight night, and most people said no, they had no idea he was even fighting. See, and that's bullshit. How 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 are you gonna have that man fighting the the following week, but don't have promo from a pay per view saying, "Hey, this is what's going on next week." It's like, man, come on, dude. Come on, man. We see that shit you're doing, son. That shit ain't cool. It's not cool. You know, so I root for DJ, man. I don't want DJ to win. But UFC, you know, we just getting to a point now to where the landscape is changing in the game. And I say this shit every week. Organizations are catching up. Um, fighters want to be happy. Fighters' windows are small. They want to get paid. They want to have dope fights. Right. You know, if you don't, if you don't want the president all up in your commercials, <laughs> all up taking the interview time, all sucking up to their so-called A1 fighters, come to Bellator. <laughs> but the the funny thing yeah. was, is just before, um, just before the the last um the la- the fight night, the UFC on Fox last week, they like the UFC finally did one little thing with DJ that made sense. They did some sort of promotional campaign that had something to do with his love of of um video games and yeah but how many of us knew but look <laughs> but still for, for real motherfuckers that knew dj only had one fucking sponsor and that was xbox and he rocked that shit proudly on his shorts way before reebok had even come along right so you're fucking johnny come late everybody knows that that are that are we know he like you just now want to talk about that i'm not I'm right not right Right, it was funny. Like when that when that came out, I, like I just saw all these people, like from the like various MMA writers, going, "Oh, now you guys want to uh, try to link uh, Demetrius to uh, something that people know about? Oh, you want to do it now?" And that's how. Look, I didn't even know people were saying that, but that's how I took it. That's how I felt. Like you, like any real true fans know. Their fighters likes. We know their sponsors. We know we know that shit. So don't don't try to present some shit like this. The news of the new news because it's old news when it's years and years later. That shit is years later. Fuck out of here. Right, right. Uh, another thing from that same night was the uh, the Jacare uh, uh, fight. Against um, Robert Whitaker. Yo. Man, look. 
Look, look, look. I really don't know what to say. Um, I didn't give Robert Whitaker a chance, and he's a good fighter. I just felt like Jacare would get him to the ground and do what he do to everybody. Um, that didn't happen this fight. Whitaker had good hands. His his hands set up everything else. Jacare got to a point to where he was worried about getting hit and worried about, you know, the stuff that was affecting him to where the all-around game of Whitaker just was super superb, man. So kudos to him for proving me wrong because Jacare is one of my favorite middleweights. Right. Um, I just think Michael Bisbing is, is like a bitch. For, <laughs> um for he he one of them old man man and man man he one of them type dudes. But dude, you defended your belt against a forty what forty seven year old Dan Henderson? Fuck forty five year old. Get the fuck out of here with you and your whole ass appears because whoever you face first is go like I mean, and no diss to Dan, but and Dan and Dan was in his thirties. I mean, he was pulling pulling some shit out of you know, out of his ass in his 40s. But, and I still think he won that, that fight against Michael Bisping, the last fight. You know, but you did get a logo out of that motherfucker. That's a beautiful thing. That logo of yours, like, swinging down, like you about to hammer some shit on the ground, that's courtesy of Michael Bisping. So, I just think Michael Bisping is an immature champion, man. You want a man, man, a man, man. Like, Zachary like is one of the most classiest dudes. Win or lose, you never hear no excuses. You never hear, you know, if he felt like he won a fight, most fighters are going to say, I felt like I won that fight. But you never hear him say any disrespectful thing. And he still hadn't said anything disrespectful about Bisping. But Bisping comes out and you want to say some slick, slick shit about Zachary and you want to, try to shit on his fans, you want to troll them, then you come out and say, I think Robert Whittaker is out that side. I'm not that fuck-ass yo I'm not... Uh. First off, now, USADA did clear Yoel Romero um, of the so-called doping, and they gave him a lesser uh, suspension than what they gave John Jones. So what they gave him was like, look, be more careful, but we got to give you some boom. They gave John Jones the match. So it's two total different things. You still call this man a cheater, and he ain't never been, he ain't never been caught. Right. Even under USADA rules. If USADA come out and say this is what happened, boom, 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 then you take that for what it's worth because they're not going to come out. And if they feel like they're at fault at any means, they're going to, well, anyway, they're, they're going to lessen the, the, the suspension. In his case, he got, I think, six months. John Jones got the max. So they never admit, even when Mo had his shit. They didn't get Mo a year. They gave Mo, I think, six to nine months or something like that. Because, you know, it was something that had just popped on the list, and he had been taking it for a long time. He had been taking that shit for years. Is Like, the list switch up from week to week, and it's up right. to you to know what you're putting in your system. So, 
you know, anytime there's there's fault on or, or they feel they they accept an explanation, they're they you know, they're gonna you're gonna get something. Some people like Chris Cyborg, they didn't give her anything. Okay. Mo, they gave Mo a couple months. Romero, they gave, you know, a couple months. John Jones, they gave the max. That says something. You know, so this dude ain't, ain't never been caught, but, you know, he wanted to talk all this shit to this dude. And, you know, like, dude, that, I'm just looking at you like, dude, basically what you're doing is you're still running. You know, and you want to use this as, as an excuse to, you know, so good for Robert Whitaker. I'm glad he's going to come up, get yours, baby. Right. You know, I think Jacare uh, will bounce back. You know, hopefully he can get his, get his, you know, his plans together and get back on a win streak and we can see what, what can happen. But the bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, whoever this being faced next, let's cherish that moment because he's not going to be the champion. So if it's GSP, Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero, Gegard Musasi, like it's a long list of assassins that's gonna take out. Well, Michael Bisping more is a payday. So let's just hope that he fight GSP, get them a couple millions, put them in his pocket, and retire. And maybe we won't have to hear the <laughs> arrogant prick again. <laughs> Like getting back to uh to Robert Whitaker, I um I became a big fan of his in his previous fight when he uh, TKO'd uh um, Brunson, and uh, I know right. And then with uh, this fight, just at the beginning with uh, between him and Jacare, I was just I just noticed that uh, Whitaker just seemed a lot looser in the fight, and I'm like, this hand speed, his hand speed was whew. yeah, and I was just like, ooh, I don't know if this is gonna come easy for Jacare. Um, so I, I've been very impressed with uh, Robert Whitaker over these past couple of fights that I've uh, I've caught from him. What they call him, Bobby Knuckles? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. I like that. That's pretty appropriate. Me too. I like that too, Bobby Knuckles. I like ah! that. So I mean, ho- hopefully, hopefully Robert Whitaker gets a uh, a title shot in the, in the near future. I'd be down with that. I would definitely be down with that. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I like him as a fighter, man. I, I uh, really uh, hope he succeeds. I just really just blew me away how he went through Jacare. I didn't see that coming. At yeah, all. that was crazy, man. That was crazy. Man, I see that shit coming. My boy hit me up like, that's because you don't know about Robert Whitaker. Mike, <laughs> you know, get my boy Mike, get my, get my boy go-getter. You know, a quick shout out. But I'm like, man, I, I'm like, man, I, I, I know about Robert Whitaker, man. We are like, for, for, for those of us who love this, you know, you watch it, and you know the fighters. I just honestly didn't think he had a chance against Dr. Ray. Name somebody who gave him a chance, probably other than people in his camp and his family. Right. I, I thought Dr. Ray was just go. Crocking like you do everybody, and then give me that that crocodile shit at the end. That's what I thought. I thought I was gonna be watching some gators down, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> good for Robert Whitaker though, man. You know, you can't take nothing away from. I mean, from all from just on the outside looking in, from what I've I've seen, he's a good dude. So 
you you cheer for guys like that. You celebrate guys like that, man. So good for Robert Whitaker. Definitely. All right, turning the tables onto the world of pro wrestling. Uh, we are in the middle of the WWE Superstar Shakeup, and I have oh, no idea man. what's going on. I uh, I don't. Okay, I try to be very, uh, you know, optimistic, but I feel like they've uh, they've messed up the, the the SmackDown Live brand. Oh man, do do look 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 look. When I seen who's all involved in the match, the first thing I say is, "Why the fuck is?" is gender in the match. Why the fuck is he in a one con- number one contender anything match? You've been right. a jobber your whole career. You've been Steve Lombardi. You've been Barry Horwitz. You've been Quick Draw Rick McGraw. You've been Iron Mike Sharp. You've been Coco Beware. You've been... <laughs> Yes. Like a job or your whole fucking career. You've been SB Special Delivery Jones. You've been you've been those people. How the fuck you come up and all of a sudden you're now the number one contender to you know to to like are you fucking kidding me? And there's no like you can't fool the fans. We know. So it's like, what the fuck angle? First thing I thought, I was, I was like, man, what the fuck's going on? Why they why they pushing this dude like this? Two days later, you see that they got some shit to do with India and businesses over there and the dude that they just promoted within the company. And it's like, man, are you fucking kidding me? Like, really? So y'all gonna get him a push just because, you know... He's from a certain country. Right. And Fuck out of here with that, man. And it makes no sense, too, because it's the, num- it's the number one contender for the belt that Randy Orton currently has. And Randy Orton yeah. already has a match at the next pay-per-view with Bray Wyatt, who Bray Wyatt is now on Raw. And it's like, so when is this match supposed to happen? And... um. Who's gonna be the Who's gonna be the champion at that time? Are you gonna hold this? Uh, for me, I I I hope by the time this happens, that somehow they do some sort of storyline where he loses his number one contendership to somebody more, somebody else. I don't know, but I I, I don't see it because it's an angle. It's it's weird. It's man. an angle. To- it's an angle, and it's like, wow, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me, man? Like, wow. Mm. I, I don't I don't buy it. Wrestling fans that know what the drill is, they don't buy it. Um, we ain't buying that shit, man. Um, the thing was, just a couple you know, months ago, the, the, the WWE belt was the coolest belt in the company. You had AJ Styles with it for a while. Even had Bray Wyatt for a little bit. But it was the coolest belt in the company. Now, it's like, this is happening? Like, what the right. hell? And you have... And you how, ha- does, 
and how have, does Randy feel about this shit? Like, really? right. And then you have you have AJ Styles going to the uh, the U.S. belt that uh, Kevin Owens now has. That's actually a more I was about to say cooler thing I was about than to that. Say, that would be more cooler. I think we would look. It would be similar to John Cena and and the U.S. Open weekly type shit. I think it gives more credit. Uh, it gives more credence, you know, to that championship, man. Right. So, I mean, and those were good days back in the NWA days and back in the early WWE days when we actually looked at the Intercontinental Champion as like the real champion. You know, fuck, fuck what they. But right know, now, the uh, yeah, the, the U.S. belt and the uh, the Intercontinental belt have been so ignored for so long that. You forget you even exactly. had it for a while, you know? Yeah, man, you got to make them belts important, man. So that's basically what's going to happen. They're going to make them belts important again and good for them. The belts need to be important. They're part of history. Right. So, yeah. I, so it should be pretty fun with, uh, you know, seeing, like, Kevin Owens with the U.S. belt and having – the, the whole like I'm the like I'm the face of America thing is actually really hilarious. Oh, that's funny. Is he gonna come wear suits every week? <laughs> I hope so. I hope. Yeah. So. But but no. The Kevin, fu- Kevin Owens going on SmackDown is not necessarily a bad idea. I can I can rock with that. No, I'm fine with that. You know, and yeah. um, and the fact that like sort of AJ Styles is in the mix on that. Is gonna. I think that's gonna be really cool, you know, with uh, you know, bringing some attention to that U.S. title. Yeah, but to hear him not be mentioned in anything world title wise is, is, like, he should always be in the world title picture. Right, right, right. But right the now, the beauty we- of it, the beauty of it, is we know that this time next year we're gonna see. Him and Nakamura at WrestleMania. Oh, dude, yeah, and I do, I do kind of like how the way that they're building up Nakamura though on uh, SmackDown. They're doing it a little bit of a mm-hmm. slow thing. They haven't had any matches. That you know, they haven't had any like shown him do any real moves or anything. They they've been sort of presenting his you know his character and his sort of his swagger you know first you know, and I like that. <laughs> oh man, when you start, when, when you sitting up, Mo, Mo, me and Mo be talking about politics all the time, man. And uh, you know, being being from here, I don't mean to switch up, but yeah, we 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 talk politics all the time, and being from here, you know, certain people are, you know. You don't talk about certain people. You don't say nothing bad about him. You don't say nothing bad about Kid Rock. You know, and he's like, yeah, your boy at the White House today was Sarah Palin. So he sends me a link, and I'm <laughs> I'm looking at the link. It's fucking Ted Nugent, Kid Rock, and Sarah Palin. Yeah, I saw I'm that. Like, I said, man, you would send me this whole ass shit, man. I don't, but you spend years vouching for him. I remember when you, I'm like, dude, you know, certain people hear you this, you know, 
I mean, you, you certain people, you know, I love Paradigm. That's my man. He, you know, he, he, right. he works, you know, because of that dude, man. So it's hard for me to, right. you know, but then when you see this type of shit, it's like, man, ugh. Uh, but you know, hey, to each his own. Funny, dude. <laughs> I think that picture was in, was an inevitable, man. Like we were about to see. We were... Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> hey, look, it's, it's some new shit to be happening, man, and I I didn't pick up on it until this week. The last. Four or five weeks when Bailey come on, and now I expect it. But whenever Bailey come on, man, I get this phone call from this motherfucker, man, and he loves Bailey. I'd be like, like, like Mo loves fucking Bailey. I'd be like, she's like, John. she's like fucking John Cena, man. She is fucking John Cena. Uh, of, of the of the women, man. I was like, I don't want to fucking hug and da 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 da. He look look. When soon I see the phone call, I bust out laughing because <laughs> I only get that call during Bailey's time, and it's like, dog, what the fuck is up with you and this old Bailey shit? You know. Wait wait. You know, fuck all them, fuck all them hugs, man. Fuck that. How can how can how can he uh? How can you talk trash about Cena and my man being a big Cena fan when he's a big Bailey fan? Hey man, hey, you know what? <laughs> hey, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I get John Cena pass, man, because I actually, you know, I remember him, you know, when he when he shot him when he first was wrestling in tights and boots and all that shit, right. man. And then he started actually coming to the to the ring freestyling. You knew he was freestyling because he would always say some shit that let you know that, you know, this is some real shit. You know, even if it was prior rope, it was rope for that particular occasion. So it, it came off real dope. And, uh, you know, any guy that grants wishes to kids, man, and, and like, you know, that make a wish stuff. That's um that's real dope, man. And, and and you know, you can learn a lot about a person. Some people may do that for publicity, but when you see he done it done it, you know, a gazillion times over compared to a lot of other people. It's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. So I, I like John Cena and my son likes John Cena. So I, I'm not you know, I'm not, uh, I don't like John Cena today, but he okay with me as far as like all the fruity colors and all that, all that stuff. Right. And you do, and you do actually notice the void on the program when John Cena's not there. You said what? You do actually notice the void on the WWE programming when oh, John yeah. Cena's not there. Yeah, I agree with you. It's definitely uh, it's different when he's not there, and when he comes, it's a different environment. The environment, like everything, changes. So you know, I get why he gets the the liberty that he gets 
And I understand why people hate on him and stuff like that, man. So, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, I like John Cena, man. He 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 entertains me. I wish he would go back to rhyming, though, but he ain't gonna do that. Oh no, no. And then bump, bump, bump. Speak up for him, man. But you know he speak good about you know John Cena, man. So you know I, I you know that's bump my man. So you know he recorded that. He recorded it, you know, in Bump Studio. He recorded his whole album at Bump Studio. Yo, we need to get, we need to get bump on this podcast sometime, man. Oh, dude, dude, we hey, we'll work that out. I'll uh, I'll uh, give him a call, and um, yeah, we'll definitely we'll do that. That that's that that, that shouldn't be a problem. Oh yeah, Cause we definitely have to hear some uh, some John Cena stories, uh, definitely, along with other hip hop stuff that you know. De- oh, indeed, definitely, indeed, definitely. man. I know, I know, that's he's my a- guy, man. He. He got a new album coming out uh, called Pop Duke, and uh, I'm on that. It's it's produced entirely by my man Knotts. I'm Ooh. on there. My man Big Gov is on there. Um, you know, we all on the, on on the record with with uh, with Bump. Um, this, you know, don't don't get it twisted, man. You know, we we seasoned. We we always go do this hip hop shit, man. But I'm looking forward to hearing that. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, Bumps' OGology project that he got with Trick Trick and uh, and Tretch from Naughty by Nature, and that's produced also entirely by Knotts. Um, yeah, yeah, it's some dope shit about to come out real soon, man. People need to stay tuned. But yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna get Bump on here. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah. All right, man, that's about it for this week's uh, podcast. Uh, like always, uh, V-Styles, tell them where they can uh, find you. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at the forward slash V-S-T-Y-L-E-G. Same thing with my Facebook, um, forward slash V-S-T-Y-L-E-Z. My, my verified Facebook page is forward slash official V-Styles. Common spelling of official V S T Y L E Z one word, and uh, you can hit me up on my Instagram at the forward slash V S T Y L E Z. Know that I got Thornton Mellon coming out real soon, and I'm gonna have some dope shit for everybody. And uh, yeah, y'all stay classy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for listening. See y'all next week. All right, bye. Peace out. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.